And we're live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. Welcome to Podcast Act Round Zero, your home for the apocalypse. Episode number 40, Communications Breakdown. Tonight, we are going to be talking about means of communication, not language, folks, but just means of communication uh, after the apocalypse. Uh, we have ourselves a uh, big crew tonight here. We have myself, as we know, Jared, the Apocalypse Nerd, and we have Adam Bomb Glancy. And we have two special guests tonight. Well, like I said before, I don't know how special Will is they're, anymore. They're not that special. Yeah. Not, like, not anymore. We've overused them. We've we've overclinted the the podcast. We've overthrashed <laughs> the podcast. Well, Clint, Clint hasn't reached that yet, but Will definitely has. So you think so? Yeah. You know, well, I'm a getting, renewable resource. You, you are. You're, you'll be useful in the apocalypse. So, folks, that is William T. Thrasher joining us this week, as well as Clint Staples. Fo uh, folks, those are faces you are well familiar with because they're good guys, friends of the apocalypse, and they bring a lot to the table for the conversation. So, it, it, Yeah, it's, it's clear we couldn't get James Ward back for a second episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but oh, okay. Yeah, folks, that was, yeah, if you saw our last episode, James Ward interview, uh, it took a little while to get that posted. We had some complications, but we did get it posted. Uh, we actually had an interview with a real person, you know, James Ward, the creator of post-apocalyptic gaming. If you haven't seen that yet, you could uh, check it out on the YouTube channel. Uh, just a couple things I want to talk about first related to the podcast is, uh, sorry for the delay uh, since uh, the last show, but we have, well, not we, me, um, had the move apocalypse going on, and it took a lot. I was sick. took a lot to get everything up and running. As you can see, my my office is now different because it's in a different location. So we. Are you we've sure it, it doesn't? Are you sure you just didn't move the furniture around behind you and pretend? Yeah, I, I, I moved the furniture. I, maybe I am. Maybe it's all a ruse. It's all smoke and mirrors. Don't. That's right. Don't look behind the curtain. But uh, so we 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 have a new prime base, uh, but we're up and running. Everything's going. So we have our show this week. And actually, folks, um, from Talk with Scott, we actually have. The next several shows planned out, so we got like the next three laid out uh, after this. So we're uh, we're good to go for a little while. So uh, other things related to the podcast, as you may have seen, uh, I've been making a lot of posts the last several weeks uh, entitled, you know, it looks like you're seeing the same things posting, but it's not. It's new. It says episode so and so audio version. What I've been doing is downloading because a lot of people have requested it, and also it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. I've been downloading the videos, I have been ripping the audio out, and I've been posting them onto the blog. Now, you'll be able to either just listen to it right there on the blog, or you'll be able to download the MP3 file so you can listen to it on your computer, at your leisure, or put it on any of your favorite audio devices. I have also had it, I uh, got it hooked up to, we are now on iTunes. Yay for us, it took me a little while to get it going, but we're on iTunes for those who do use iTunes. Uh, so our Apple users who follow the show, you can just subscribe to it on iTunes and you can get it. You can okay, get it. Was, I, was I the only one who couldn't hear you there for a second? Uh, I don't know. What didn't you hear? Uh, I heard uh, it. Okay, so okay. It came through garbled right after iTunes for a couple seconds. I just wanted to make sure you didn't lose the information. Well, no, I had I had marbles in my mouth. So uh, No, no, I mean it was all weirdly distorted like we had a lag. That's oh, okay. It's possible we have those lags. But like I said, folks, we are we are on iTunes. So for the so again, our, our listeners who use iTunes, use Apple products, you could uh, instead of just going to the blog to subscribe to an iTunes, they'll come right come right to your device. So that's a big deal. I have gotten thirty two of the episodes posted. 
Uh, I still have another, well, once I have this one, I'll have another eight to catch up. So uh, I've got a lot of them done. I'll, I'll have the rest of them up in the next couple of weeks. And also, if you want to, if, if you want to find them in one spot on the, po- on, on the blog page, there's a tab that says podcast. So all of the posts that have the audio are all listed right there. So you can just see them right there. They're numbered. Click on it, and then you can start listening to it there. So, does, this, does this mean I have to stop doing the thing where we, we go and get an image off the internet and, and scramble and go, uh, look, look at this image of the Landmaster. Isn't it interesting? I guess. Well, well I've, been trying to get, a... I've been trying to get you to stop doing that for two years, and it hasn't worked yet, so it's not going to make any difference. I just, don't, I just don't want to over – well, it doesn't matter because it's just, you know, people can listen to it. People can look the pictures up. But, um, but no, it's a, good, it's, it's a good option for it. We just got to stop doing things like, you know, like if – you know, burping, farting, blowing our noses, just mute your microphone, you know, so, because it's, when we're watching the video, it's not so bad, so. Uh, <laughs> why are you looking at me when you say shit like that? Uh, because you're, like, in front of me in the camera, that's why. <laughs> I'm not saying, but no, because definitely, <laughs> yeah, please, please don't do that, because trust me, when I've been, I've been listening to a lot of the audios, and every little thing that we do, whether it's I'm shifting stuff on the desk, or anything, you really hear it, so it's, uh, it's okay. good. But anyway, so wow. that's it. That, that's the update on the uh, thank you, Will. And, um, <laughs> You're welcome. What? Let's, just, let's, let's see if we can get the phones to go off now. And Yeah. <laughs> there you Hello? go, Clint. Hello? Huh? No, no, I'm doing a podcast. I can't talk right now. But, uh, <laughs> and it all fell apart. <laughs> but uh, so that's – I just wanted to give everybody up to date on um, – the audio, because that was a that was a big deal for me to get all that to get that done. So we got the audio on now, which is good. And uh, like I said, we got we're doing communications uh, this week, and we got um, a few more shows. I'll, at the end of the show, I'll talk about the uh, about the schedule that's coming up. So that being said, uh, uh, I'll do in the news in a second because I wanted uh, Will wanted to. Uh, share some stuff he's post-apocalyptic kind of stuff he's been working on. So a little uh, cross promotion for what he does. So I want to give the floor to Will for there for a minute. Oh uh, well, this is it's actually not just me. This is uh, myself and Clint Staples. We've been collaborating on a series of tabletop gaming supplements, uh, the the Oddity series, where it's just uh, each each Oddity book is a table with 100 entries to just generate random oddities, just interesting things you can find in an environment that might be useful, might not, uh, could serve as an adventure hook or a story seed. And we've got two coming up. One is Oddities for a Graveyard, but after that, the one I really wanted to talk about is we are doing Oddities for the Wasteland. There you go. And is that, uh, so it's for RPG, so is, I guess it is a, it is RPG neutral, so you could use it in any any setting, any, any game system? Yes. Yeah, it's all system neutral. Uh, all you need is uh, all you need is a D100, uh, and uh, so, uh, every now and then, like a D6, depending on if we have like a little table that generates like some random widgets for you. Uh, D6? Who has D6s anymore? You're, you're okay, you're gonna have to get your copy of Monopoly. Take one of the dice out of that. <laughs> you're asking. You're, you're asking. You're asking a lot, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Uh, but I did want to share. I'm actually I'm doing all the illustrations for it, so I've actually got with me those of you watching the video feed. Uh, I've got uh, some of the illustrations that are going to be appearing in the book. This is the uh, upper torso of a combat android uh, crawling along the ground. 
Let's see. We've also got a classic post-apocalyptic weapon. It is an autographed baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. I think we're all familiar with that if we're still reading the uh, Walking Dead comic book. Um, oh, yeah. And Lucy, two... Lucy? Is that what it was, Lucy? I don't know. Actually, I have not been uh, reading that one. There has there has been an unpleasant baseball bat. What else you got, Will? Okay, well, I've also got uh, this. This is one of my personal favorites. It's the bucket of fried chicken that's full of meat, but it's not necessarily chicken meat. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, then, very, uh, that's very Fallout. I'm going to go ahead. That that's that's really quite Fallout of you. And then one of the personal personal favorites, somebody is making sock puppets uh, in the wasteland for a particular purpose. But what that purpose is, you'll have to actually see the table to find out. Oh, nice. Oh, it's lonely in the wasteland. Oh, it's yeah, so if the wasteland wasn't going to be part of the, uh, we're going to have little unique page embellishments that will run along the bottom of each page. And so we've got various bits of uh, post-apocalyptic junk, impaled mutant head, grenades, Molotov cocktails, mutant three-eyed rat with scorpion tail, gas canisters, intelligent cockroaches with forks and salt shakers. So it's lots of fun stuff. <laughs> That sounds like that sounds like everything we were hoping for. In our <laughs> I mean, you know, that and the sock puppets. Oh God, the sock puppets. Those yeah. sock that, that that sock puppet on the on was it like they're not like filled with Vaseline, are they? Well, again, you'll have to see the table to find out. But they are utilitarian sock puppets. Let's just say it's not only Vaseline. Oh, it actually. Clint, I don't know if you can verify this, but I was looking over some of the older oddities tables, uh, you know, oddities for Thieves Guild, oddities for Wizards Library and whatnot. I think there's something involving socks in each of the oddities book. I think well, there's something involving socks in every one we've done so far. But these are the only ones that we've had sock bucket puppets for. Wow. It wasn't intentional. That just kind of became a signature of the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so somebody's got some sock issues. <laughs> Just like Homer Simpson. <laughs> uh, as we leave Scott in tears. Uh, uh, thank, thank, thank you, Will. And uh, when and when it becomes available, where will it be available? Uh, it'll be available on uh, drivethroughrpg.com, rpgnow.com. Uh, it should. Uh, I I know we're gonna I know we're gonna try to get it up on uh, Warehouse Twenty Three Online and uh, Paizo's online store. Although that might that might be a week or two after the initial release. Okay, very good, folks. And if you can't find it anywhere else, you can always go to dinfinity.com uh, net and find uh, links to that and all kinds of other stuff. So including all of the other oddity stuff. And, we, and we've actually got a good amount of uh, post-apocalyptic articles on d-infinity.net as well. I've actually got a series uh, called Recycled Weapons. It's all uh, for RPGs, weapons, effective weapons made out of leftover technology from before the apocalypse. My personal favorite being the Burn Hammer. It is a giant sledgehammer made out of a leaking car battery that uh, sprays acid over anything you hit with it. <laughs> Including yourself. <laughs> well, not, not if you're using it right. Well... <laughs> If you're using it right, you're loading that battery into a into a catapult, <laughs> throwing it at the enemy. Holy gods! All right. Actually, that's what another one we have. We have a, it's called uh, the uh, 
the the sling shooter, and it's a it's a large scale slingshot designed to throw Molotov cocktails and uh, and soup cans full of flaming debris. Perfect. Again, very very Fallouty. Absolutely. Yeah. Fallouty and uh, almost uh, Dead Risingy, you know, with the uh, multiple Sorry. weapons uh, put together. Speaking of which, we know that there's a Dead Rising movie coming. No, there's a Dead Rising. It's a it's a TV. It's a T. It's a TV show oh. uh, that that's going to be on. I'm looking Netflix? at it right. I'm looking at it right now. Is it? Uh, is it net? No, it's not Netflix. It's uh, I think it's Stars. I believe it's going to be on. Okay. Thinking of Evil Dead, right, Jared? No, 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 no. Uh, no, Dead Rising. No, okay. actually, it is a movie. Or, or maybe it says. Oh, maybe, oh it's maybe the, it's a movie on Stars. I thought it was going to be a TV series. Huh. Okay. No, nope, but I guess I'm wrong. No, it's uh, it, Dead Dead Rising Watchtower premieres uh, March 27th on Stars. Okay. Oh, I guess I guess it is a movie. Okay, uh, my I stand corrected. The way they were selling it, I thought it was like more like a serialized uh, TV type show. So we, we can never get enough zombies, essentially. Oh yeah, there's there's yeah there's just a lot of a lot of zombies out there. But uh, almost to the point where I'm tired of it. But that uh, too. Uh, well, The Walking Dead is doing a spin-off series that takes place not with the, our characters on the West Coast, and I think it starts like when the apocalypse starts. So, um, I'm kind of okay with that because as I, even though they've changed a lot about The Walking Dead, but watching it, I'm watching it with that eye of reading the comic book. So I'm always like, oh, I know that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen. It'll be nice to be able to watch it. And not say they're trying to predict what's going to happen because I've yeah, read based, the freaking story. Based on, yeah, based on what you've read in the comic book, which is obviously they veer away from that all the time and they change things up, but they still keep story elements even when they change up maybe what character it happened to. Yeah. You know, they still keep story elements. They still show up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though they change things around, like where they're at, the situation right now in Alexandria, I know it's like, yep, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. You know, he, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't know. But, uh, uh, yeah, last night's episode, oof, we got brutal. So uh, uh, Remember, I uh, don't have cable. I'm a year behind. I know. I'm just saying, I, that's all I'm saying, it got brutal. That's all I said. I I wasn't, no spoilers on that one. It's too all soon. Right. All right, and uh, let's see. Well, thank you, and... Uh, Clint, do you have anything that else uh, that you want to promote like that, or is that you're just kind of you guys are kind of cross promoting uh, that? Uh, so that's, uh, Will and I do these uh, together for the most part, although we're in different cities and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we also have uh, uh, other people from uh, Skirmisher Publishing that uh, uh, that are involved, Mike Frohola and uh, Brendan Cast primarily, but uh, Will and I do most of the creative stuff, I guess, on the Oddities line. So that's all I really want to say. Other than that, I'm really looking forward to the Evil Dead TV show with Bruce Campbell and Lucy Lawless. I think that'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. They just confirmed she was going to be on there. Yep. Now, Mr. Staples, how, how go your, uh, your man-eating robots uh, in the apocalypse, the sculpts in uh, those cast? Um, I, I've sort of fallen... If there was ever a wagon that was keeping this, uh, this line of figures going, uh, it is... Uh, it is down to a wheel and a half, and it's dragging its ass through the waste. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Cause I'm, uh, uh, I hope to get back to them, but it's it's it hasn't been going very well. So. All right, that is unfortunate to hear because everybody needs post-apocalyptic robots with chainsaws for mouths. It is true, uh, and uh, you can also find 
some other post-apocalyptic things that I did for ArmorCast, uh, things like, yo, mutant two-headed cattle. Um, um, Brahmin! I, you did Brahmin? Is I might have done something that looks sort of like a Brahmin. I might have done something that looks sort of like a, a demon bear that goes by a Chinese name. Uh, yeah. in a, uh, oh, so I'm sorry. <clears throat> yes, it's completely not at all connected to that intellectual property. Right, yeah, nothing like that. Uh, okay. I also did something that might be uh, very fat, ugly, bloated flies. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, and, all right. Uh, giant scorpion things that might look like they were irradiated. Or possibly uh, menacing... Um, uh, uh, J. Michael uh, Vincent on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. That's, that one you can that one you can sculpt. You can, yes. you can threaten oh, Jen Michael Vincent. That's what I did. Didn't look yeah. like rat scorpions at all. So. No. Got it. Or, or giant albino rat scorpions. No, no, right. not, not at all. Don't, no. don't even talk about those things. Okay. Uh, and I, I would definitely never be doing any kind of uh, giant horned demon with huge razor claws. Um, no. Never. Never. I, I will not be going to armor cast to covet and drool over those miniatures. That will not happen either. Okay. okay. Good. Perfect. Th thank you, Clint. All right, so... Um, so that was really that was uh that's one of the you know we wanted to get some sharing. Uh, that was my only bit of in the news was the, uh, the the Dead Rising thing. Let's uh let's let's get to the topic. Uh, communication. Oh, wait, wait, one one thing I want to throw out for people is uh, to recommend that they they've got Netflix uh, or access to a lovely video store. Um, there's a new low budget uh, sort of post apocalyptic film uh, out called the young called the young ones. And uh, it is uh, it is clearly taking place during a thirst apocalypse, and it's uh, set in a world where we're losing our you know access to fresh water and the economy's going down the toilet. Even though it's a high tech future, everybody lives dirt poor. You know they have a the the, the family they show homesteading has a mule, one of those like you know diesel powered walking robots that you'll, you've been seeing recently that sort of uh, are designed to carry military equipment over broken terrain like a mechanical mule. They have that, but at the same time when they go home, they wash their dishes in sand because, gee, there is no water in this world. Um, it's uh, Young Ones is pretty pretty well done. It's good looking. Um, I just started watching it, uh, but uh, I, I uh, encourage other people to go take a look at it because at some point I would like to broach the, po the, the possibility of an episode about the thirst apocalypse. And this is a good example of, of a thirsty future. Oh, the, the, the hot apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've had cold apocalypse. Now it's time to do the flip side. Yes. Does that mean you're going to talk a lot about solar babies? We yes. will. We will. No, we're, we're going to do an entire show on solar babies. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It'll mostly involve Jared and I stabbing ourselves in the eyes with various <laughs> sharp implements and screaming. But, you know, it'll look a lot like the, those... Video cutscenes from Event Horizon when the crew is eating each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it'll look like. It's like because it's a great movie. Oh my fan, god, fan, fan, fantastic, fan, fucking fantastic. All right, thank you, Scott. So again, yeah, folks, check. Go ahead if you got Netflix or he said a good video store, which is a rarity nowadays. It's uh, that'll well, be. Right. I think I saw something saying there's only like 150 independent video stores left in North America. I mean, I think we have more freaking white rhinos than that. Um, probably. 
You know what? I, I, I saw this picture. I don't, I, now I don't remember where the hell I freaking saw it. It was this picture of an old blockbuster building all overgrown and, like, trees growing out of it. Like, totally like this, you know. And there, there was some caption about, like, you know, oh, you know, we're not sure what this, you know, this building is this, of the ancients was. and It was like this, it was this funny little <laughs> caption about it. Like, it was like this post-apocalyptic setting, you know, being the old blockbuster, you know, which is... Uh, no, it just doesn't make any sense. Why would they, why would they go to a, another building to get giant, you know... Discs, it makes no sense. It it's, no it's, sense. It's, it's funny. If you really want to treat, watch the episode of Regular Show where the format wars actually becomes a real shooting war. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll, we'll get more hate mail if we do another we do another edition war or format war. We <laughs> well, you know, as I always, uh, you know, say, uh, fuck them, I don't care. But um, all right, folks. So let's uh, let's move let's move on to the topic of uh, communications in the apocalypse. Um, now, me and, me and Scott were talking about it a little bit, uh, like over the weekend, about uh, communications. Like, how, how are you going to communicate? Why are you going to communicate? You know, you know, you know, different you got different types of communications at different levels of the apocalypse. You know, and we are talking about long distance communication. You know, it's, yes. it's not merely the matter of you know. Will there be written word left to scribble a note on? It's a question of how do you get that information from one place to another. Exactly. How do you convey? You know, because uh, what are you going to have right afterwards? You know, are you still going to? Uh, what's What's the president? Um, uh, you said I forget Fallout. President Johnson was it Johnson? Oh, well, there's Dick Richardson in and, Fallout Two. Is the first one, but then it's um, uh, yeah, I've forgotten who the Malcolm McDowell. Uh, President is, but it's the uh, yes with the the uh, uh, this the uh, little sentry bots that wander around the wasteland playing patriotic music, cheerful patriotic tunes and speech excerpts. Yes, yeah. Yep. Uh, John Henry Eden. Thank you, President yeah, Eden. President Eden, great great choice by the way, Bethesda. You know, I realize that Fallout Three has just recycled Fallout One and Two mashed together, but. For choices of presidents, Eden, great, great option. Go with Eden. Yeah, because, you know, that's that's one thing you might have is in the apocalypse is, you know, the continuity of government. Is there still, you know, is there still, depending on your apocalypse, is there going to be a continuity of government? Is there still going to be structure? Is there going to be organized government? And if so, how are they going to get their messages through? Are they going to be broadcasting over what's left from the emergency broadcast systems are they going to be going by radio transmissions? You know, so all your ha all the ham operators that are around are now actually useful because they can receive the messages. You know, is it going to be over regular broadcast uh, AM FM radio? Well, you know, the first thing that jumps out at me on that is um, uh, we might need to address uh, the change in technology because um, once upon a time, all of our TVs were just this thing that if it got juice, it would get a signal. You got right. Jew, Jews? Yes, yes. Members of the Hebrew faith. As long as you <laughs> squished them, you know, in a in a press like a wine press, mm. you know, you could get the that you know that yummy yummy Jew oil and then yeah. rub it on the TV and it would work. I, I would just like to say for a moment that the people on the show do not necessarily speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also, and also, yes. and also, the listeners know that yes, I am. 
I, I am the official Jew of the show, so there you go. So, so therefore, we can make all of the horrible anti-Semitic oh. marks that we want. Um, <laughs> I was hoping I could just say juice, like electricity. I, yes. Like, as long as you plugged in your TV in or you had your, or you're like, you've got, um, uh, like, as, as my wife refers to him, uh, Charlton Heston's dad, which it's not in, in, um, in Soiling Green, on his bicycle every day. Um, Charge, charging the batteries. Charging up. the batteries in their horrible little apartment, you know. Um, as long as you've got uh, Chuck Heston's dad on a bike um, to um, uh, provide electricity, you can make your TV set work. But now, with all of our 8 million channels we all want, it's cable, and I just have my doubts about uh, the cable network staying up um, during the apocalypse. Uh, well, it's going to well, go right but, back but, but, to... But, but, but there still is broadcast TV. It's just, it's yes. just instead of being uh, analyst, instead of uh, I'm probably saying it wrong. It's all it's digital now, as opposed to I guess the previous I, I don't know analog uh, radio signals. So you need so if you had an old TV, you needed an adapter to get the new digital signals. And the newer TVs are supposed to have digital antennas to receive digital broadcasts. And, and that's the one of the the kind of pitfalls about using like a modern TV in the apocalypse because even even assuming you have the you have the uh, the power to make it run uh, you need a lot more technological infrastructure to make modern high definition digital television work than than what you would need to make the old-fashioned uh, analog televisions work you just needed the analog televisions you just needed a working camera and a working transmitter you didn't need a whole bunch of other gadgets and 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 renderers and and, and you know digital things in in, in between the two, uh, and in fact, let's also not forget if you rigged your old TVs just right, you could not only receive you could receive radio signals as well. So you have one box that could feasibly pick up two different kinds of signals that maybe you want to hear uh, as things start to break down. Yeah, um, I would also point. I, I mean, it, it seems to me that uh, you know. Um, uh, in a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction, if we do have a continuity of government, if we do have, you know, <laughs> the Enclave or Valhalla Sector or whoever's our creepy continuity of government um, or Radio Free America, radio seems to be the thing that, that fiction uh, writers love in the apocalypse. They like the... We got the, the whole... Uh, Radio all over Fallout. I think that was probably because nobody wanted to animate images on the TV sets in Fallout, so they just went with a nice voiceover. But they love the radio signals in Fallout. We've got, uh, you know, one of my favorite comments in uh, that terrible battle truck or Warlords of the 21st Century. One of the characters says that he's been picking up a radio mecha on his shortwave, you know. Um, but this idea that... Well, that's Radio the seems like the way that the, the message is going to get out, not the least of which because it's got a longer range, doesn't it, than television well, signal? Well, but also it's, it's easier to get that going than it would be for, te- for video signals. You, you need less equipment, for sure, because basically look, look at you know ham, ham operator uh, setups, because you know, my, my friend's dad used to do that back in the 80s. He just had you know the receiver transmitter, and he just had a big antenna attached to the side of the house, and he had power, and that was it. That's all you needed. The transmit signal. Now again, how far you transmitted depended on the size of your antenna, of course. Uh, and you know, whether whether the signal being blocked, but you know, shortwave, you're bouncing it off what? Shortwave, you're bouncing it off the uh, atmosphere. You're bouncing the- it off the uh, ionosphere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so 
radio always seems to be the sort of the last gasp of civilization or the first thing to come back. Um, not the least of which because so much of radio is solid state and there's one in every car in the, on the planet. You know, um, uh, there's well, always well, materials well, to salvage. Well, it's not so solid state anymore. Everything's all, you know, electronics and digital. Like, like I was, like I had said in a earlier show uh, about uh, transportation, that we're talking about getting cars running again. Is ever like the older car, you see all the older cars besides Ed Clint had pointed out being sexy. You know, the old uh, the old muscle cars and stuff is <laughs> it's easier to get them running because it's not all it's it's more solid state, just some wiring, not all these digital electronics, which with those fail, everything fails because they're, they're a lot more sensitive. So maybe your older, you know, ham radio sets or even simpler things like CB radios, you know, for transmitting shorter distances. You know, there's even hand, there's hand CB radios. I think there's also uh, handheld uh, shortwaves too, but not maybe necessarily for transmitting, but receiving. Like receiving. Yeah, it's a lot easier to walk around with a transistor radio than it is with a 26-inch TV set. <laughs> and no screen to bust, either. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, radio always strikes me as, the, as, as fiction's favorite, you know, sort of dying candle of civilization-style communication, when you're sort of signaling that things are on the way out or perhaps they're recovering, radio always seems to show up in, in fiction. Um, whether that would be the same thing in reality, I'm not sure, but certainly fiction loves it. Um, uh, hell, they had radio broadcasts from Mount, uh, from Crystal Palace in um, Lucifer's Hammer. Yep. Uh, you hear from Radio Free America in Red Dawn. John has a long mustache, which apparently was a, a real code phrase from the from just from D-Day, from what they sent to the uh, what they sent to the uh, the Maquis and the resistance groups in France just before D-Day. Um, but they uh, they always seem to like radio, and I and I have to admit there there's a lot of cool things about radio fiction-wise in the apocalypse because. For one thing, it's this disembodied voice, right? Yep. And if it, it, it has this aspect of the voice of God or the voice of the spirits just coming out of the ether through the special altar, you know. And if you really want to mess with your fictional apocalypse, you know, and have people, you know, being like the archivists in, um, uh, in, in Gamma World, you know, you can have guys worshipping a radio outlet, you know, a radio device that's just uh, blah, blah, blahing at them. I mean, I know they've done that in Fallout in Point Lookout, and um, I want to say they did that, something like that was going on in that um, Space 1999 episode that's on the generation ship that's all fucked up like the, uh, like the, uh, the warden, uh, yeah. where the, the primitives are listen, getting their instructions from an intercom. In the wall, that just well, actually, in uh, the pilot for the Star Lost uh, by Harlan Ellison, Phoenix Without Ashes, that's what's going on. There's that generation ship has that like Amish community living on it, and they have an oracle that tells them when to plant, when to do all these things. And the oracle is just a, a speaker, but what the the young hero of the series figures out is that. Uh, the the old the old priests know how to program the voice synthesizer to say whatever they want. So most of the time, it's just giving them environmental readouts about their habitat, which they do need to plant 
successful crops. But every now and then, if there's somebody the priests don't like or something the priests want done, they'll program it to say, you know, you must burn the non-believer, and, and there you go. And and if you have a, 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 a group of people who take whatever comes out of the radio as the literal word of God, if you know how to make that radio work, you can get those people to do anything. Yeah, and just just to add about the Star Lost Will, thank you for bringing up the Star Lost Will because I got that on on DVD. If anybody if anybody uh, who listens has uh, a Roku box, you know, just at the off chance you have a Roku box, there is actually a Star Lost channel. So if you have a Roku box, you could go wow. to the Star Lost channel. They have all the episodes for free. Nice. Okay then. Well, um, not not that you just can't probably find it on YouTube as well. But I'm saying if you have a Roku, but if you have a Roku box like I do, I have a Roku box for the bedroom. Sometimes at night trying to fall asleep, I'll just I'll pop on the Star Lost and you know fall asleep to watching Star the Star Lost. Yeah. So, anyways, radio. I guess have we covered radio? Are there more things we need to know about, or more to battle around about? Uh, not well, just the practical uses of radio, but the Sort of the weird fictional uses of radio apocalypses. Well, one I'd like to bring up, uh, one of my favorite post-apocalyptic movies is uh, The Quiet Earth, uh, which you, you one could make the debate that it's not post-apocalyptic, but for these purposes it, are, uh, it is, where the, our main character uses radio as a way to reach out to other potential survivors, where he, fi he finds a local radio station, gets it up and running since it pretty much runs itself, and he just records a 30-second loop of, of him saying, I am here, if you are still alive, this is my address, here are the, here's the latitude and longitude of this radio station, I would like to speak to you if there's anyone out there, and just puts that on a loop and has that playing nonstop 24 hours a day for however long that uh, uh, radio signals radius is. I forgot that they did that in um, uh, was it uh, 21 days later and um, yeah. you know we have the cure we have the cure for infection and uh, what was the other one um, they did that in Night of the Comet where they uh, take over the radio station and let us not forget um, uh, Apocalypse Rock yep that's our, which, uh, who, who came on our show a while ago and, uh, and uh, to boost their Rather awesome short film, Apocalypse Rock. Yep, so there. But yep, the guy broadcasting and playing music uh, in a uh, emergency broadcast uh, station. You know, yeah. Try to, try to communicate, get people to come to him. So who doesn't love Galaxy News Radio? You know, in the capital wasteland. With three dog. <laughs> so yeah, so definitely you know radio. Like I said, that when it comes to technology communications coming back, it's probably going to be radio before video. And I think radio will probably hang on the longest. So I think TV is going. TV is definitely video. TV is going to go down way before. But between radio, like I said, we have between the ham operators, you know, with with the shortwaves, CB, uh, which is more that's more local. I don't, I don't know what kind of range CB has, but you know, the truckers are using it on the road. It definitely has got some kind of distance, you know. So you got CB communication and the radio is uh, uh, holding on there. Clint, do you have any uh, additional thoughts on, on, on radio at all? Radio communication, shortwave? Like to, to talk about the, the limitation or one big limitation on radio or TV, I suppose, uh, broadcast TV, is that, uh, uh, well, two, they're related. First of all, you don't know who you're going to, uh, to reach out to, if anybody, uh, because someone has to have something to receive on. And more, perhaps more importantly, 
um, you don't know who's going to hear your signal who might want to come and take what you got. Um, you know, you're just sending you're sending your message out there. You live at such and such. The radio station is at this these coordinates, right? And then the uh, the cannibals with chainsaws show up two weeks later uh, because they figure if you've got a uh, a radio station together, you must have stuff that we want. Uh, yeah. so. Clint Clint makes a very very good point. Well, it is also one way communication. So when it's it's when it's coming from the authorities. You know, there's no back and forth. There's just, here is the voice of authority. Do as we say. Plant your crops. Say the Pledge to Allegiance. John Henry Eden is your is your new president. And, you know, and it's all very one-way, you know, uh, talking down to you from the mountain when you're overseas. Well, that works great if you've got a whole bunch of security bots and a, and a secure compound, right, and a whole yeah. bunch of zealots to, to do what you tell them. But... Yeah. Uh, if you're like you know two people and a couple of kids, or uh, uh, or a, a band of beleaguered survivors, do you really want to tell everybody where the hell you are? Yeah, there was that thing from Dawn of the Dead where they're leaving the radio on, receive all the time, listening, and when they finally get an answer, they don't answer back because it's the scary marauding you know biker army. Right. <laughs> well, 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 they basically they had a, they had a well they, well they had the regular but they they had a CB. I think, yeah. right? Like a CB, yeah. CB radio. Yeah. Exactly. Because well, that's the thing. Yeah, you're going to have, like you said, the continuity of government voice of plant your crops. That you just, that you just need a, a simple uh, receiver for. But I said, I think the, the main communicate, you don't necessarily need a radio station, but, you know, just simple ham, hopper, ham, ham operation CB. Because, um, again, you know, but also the other thing, too, is, is like it's power. You have to have the power, you know. Or yeah. are you going to run your generators to... Power your ham radio set. Are you going to run the power? Are you going to bike that extra day just to charge the battery so you can talk on your CB, your hand, your walkie-talkies, or things yeah, like that? You're you're burning power just to receive, right? Yeah. You know, so uh, it's a huge tax on your resources. You're, um, spend, you're you're spending calories to get that energy, unless of course unless you have a huge stockpile of freaking batteries and gasoline or something, you know. But still. unlikely. This is the apocalypse, after all. We would we we're hoping for some shortages. It'll build character. Um, so hold on so, just a second. No, go ahead. I have to step away from the yeah. machine for a second. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, everybody, let's stop everything because Scott said so. No, <laughs> but um, but no. I think I think uh, you said radio will be the first, like you said, first to first back, longest to uh, stay. But after that. What's going to happen? Okay, after after the batteries die, after the, throw, after after the radios break, after you know the towers fall down, you know how are we going to start communicating? Because again, I'm going to throw out one I last think, thing. Uh, okay, hold on, hold one on. last thing about radio. Okay, but like I said, after the radio, because eventually I said the towers will fall, the batteries will die, the gas will run for the generators. You know, the continuity government's not there anymore. So we're thinking as we go long term. People are still going to want to need to communicate. So, what? So uh, Scott's going to come back and make a point, one more about radio. But after that, we got to think: How are we going to communicate after all that fails? Well, um, I was going to say that um, having um, uh, one of the things I remember very strongly from uh, Twilight 2000 was on the subject of radio that um, in uh, Tom Mulkey's uh, uh, Urban Gorilla uh, scenario. He has a history of the state of Florida descending into chaos uh, after the uh, nuclear strikes, and some of the guys who are helping the chaos along 
uh, are guys who are have this mobile radio station and like a Winnebago that they're driving around the state and broadcasting with, um, giving out bad survival advice, like Ooh. just yeah, telling people the wrong way to filter their water and how uh, this and this sign are signs of uh, you know the, telling people that AIDS has gone airborne and that uh, you know. You can determine the people who have AIDS because they seem to not pass the paper bag test, and just you know, doing all this stuff to to to, to uh, uh, cause more chaos in the state and set people fighting amongst each other more, so that when they show up with their creepy survivalist authoritarian um, uh, rescue plan, everyone will be saying, "Oh, thank goodness you came along and rescued us from those 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 anarchists." Who were broadcasting all the wrong information? Um, so that idea—that uh, is to say, of of the radio waves—not only do you not know who you're attracting, but you don't know who you're getting the information from. You know, you could be getting information sent in by sure. It sounds like the emergency broadcast system, or maybe it's Alex Jones. Maybe the, our worst case scenario is realized, and Alex Jones and Infowars have survived, and they're telling us all the wrong stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, that's the thing too. Because again, uh, I I didn't think about portable broadcast stations. Because doesn't like the military have like portable like communications vehicles? Like, yep. Uh, yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, so, somebody, especially in the apocalypse, after everything's been abandoned, maybe somebody gets a hold of uh, one of those vehicles and is broadcasting from there. And also, does mill doesn't like uh, police have like communications like vans and things like that as well? So that that kind of stuff is out there. But again, it all takes you know you know, running the fuel to, to operate yeah. it, so. So what happens after we've we've burned up our fuel? Um, does anybody know anything about, uh, do, do you guys know anything about um, uh, things like field telephones, old-fashioned field telephones, old-fashioned, because, uh, you know, you always see these guys, World War One. you hand-crank the telephone. I've used uh, one of those. They're very uh, cool. Uh, now, is that, are they creating a charge to do the broadcast to, to actually be able to use the phone? Is it powering up the phone? The, the one, the one I used ran off of it ran off of a tiny battery, uh, and it and it takes like it takes very little power to actually send a signal back and forth. The one I had, the only reason you cranked is that that generated the energy that would actually make the bell ring on the other end. Ah, good, okay. Which had to be big and loud so you could hear it in a war zone. Well, I, I imagine that you know in local communication, hard telephones, landlines are going to be dug out and in a little area like, say, your, you know, your city-state of Krakow from two, you know, Twilight 2000, I totally see there being a phone system for the most important people in the city, for the security services, for the army, for the, the warlord, you know. Uh, there's going to be some telephone. The idea that, you know, in a in a postman style struggling your way back towards civilization you might be able to hang a wire from one town to another so there's one phone you know well, in that town and also I think because I don't again I don't know how the phone systems work but I know again being in South Florida you know with hurricanes you know like when the power goes down the cell towers go down so your cell phones but if I if I remember correctly the phone system Will still operate. The phone, yeah, the phone system's system. on a different power. I mean, it's a different yeah. power system, right? It's its own yes. power system. Yeah. 
So if they could just get that power system, you know, you might not have lights in your house, but if they could get that power system going, they might have limited phone uh, phone capability from the built-in phone structures that we already have. Do you guys remember Jericho? TV series yeah. Jericho. Yeah. Do you remember the weird thing where every phone rang all over town and that it was a pre-recorded message from the Secretary of Health and Human Services, acting president, whatever, where they suddenly get the first news from Washington and it's just this recording that comes through the phone lines? Uh, no, that, that was that was one of the like second, second or third episode. There's just suddenly this thing where the phone rings and everyone picks it up and it's a recording from the acting president. And uh, I, I always thought that was a really cool moment as far as the suddenly your cell phone shit and then there's these landlines that are suddenly ringing, you know, suddenly that's your one blip of communication uh, from the from the federal government. Yeah, because um, even though if people don't have like, I haven't had a land, I haven't had a landline in like 10 plus years, you know, but the phone lines are there in houses, like they're still building them, there's still that infrastructure for landlines. Again, they have to be activated you know, but I said I don't use them like personally myself. But uh, and also, you know what? Because you could hook in, you know, uh, if you wanted to be just like a receiving thing. Like I have a circa nineteen fifty three rotary phone. Very, very limited technology. Not one of these modern, you know, you know, wireless cordless phones, or whatever. Um, it doesn't. It still. It still works. Like you can't dial out from the phone because it because it's all digital, but you could receive a call and talk on it on that phone, you know, because I got I, I I got that phone working again like back in like the 90s, you know, I had to like replace some parts, but it works. I couldn't call out, but I could like it would ring in the house and I could pick it up and talk on it. I just couldn't call out. Yeah, so even, even with those. What was that, Clint? I have one of those, and you can dial out on it on our system. Well, you know, well. So no, I'm not better than you or anything like that. No, 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 no. I was, I was gonna make a dig about, I was gonna make a dig about Canada, but I stopped myself. Yeah, well, you know, Clint lives in a third world Arctic wasteland, so. Well, you know. I mean, that's our mo that's our newest phone, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, but, and, and you, I have a 1950 circa, you know, the big Bakelite uh, phones like. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, first of all, it's a weapon that you could easily make for the post-apocalypse, Will, but secondly, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it works just fine on our landline. Like, the only thing that doesn't work on it is it doesn't ring. But you, you can dial out on it, you can receive calls on it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know whether that's uh, uh, significant, but it, it sounds like different phone services or systems yeah. might have different levels of service for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. That's sort of the whole thing in the apocalypse is that we find as, as, as our technological civilization gets thrown back on its heels, and that seems to be the basis of most post-apocalyptic stuff, is that we, we lose our technological civilization. We have to go and resurrect the older technologies, and as things fall apart, uh, we find ourselves relying on older and older technology. And at first it's radio, and then maybe we have a few landline phones left that connect towns, like one phone per town, you know, or something uh, just so you can call out for emergency services or help, or you know. and, that, and, that, and that's that, that's of the assumption that we've got to the level where we're that organized as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's but, I'm anticipating slow apocalypses where we we ecologically wreck ourselves, wreck our economy, and you know spiral down until you know one thing after another fails. It's a it's a 
much, I always sort of imagine a much slower apocalypse than a big old nuclear flash. Although, speaking of, though, low-tech ways to keep, you know, outposts of civilization communicating with each other, the, the, you know, after the apocalypse, that would be the perfect time to bring back the Pony Express. Yep. Pony Express. You know, you get, yeah. get people in the community who have access to horses, who know, who know how to ride them, and you can have them making, you know, making trips between outposts, delivering, delivering key messages to the people, to the people who need them. I, I didn't. I didn't want to go that postman route, but you know, it's uh, that's kind of you know where it kind of would be too. It's this guy traveling around getting messages, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and it doesn't really have to be, authority, to be a motorcycle. Um, something like watchtowers. Uh, they've worked for thousands of years for yeah. military purposes, right? So just having it doesn't have to be a huge bonfire. It can be mirrors with uh, torches to reflect them and stuff to re to reflect the firelight and that kind of stuff, and you can. Uh, then you can use those to flash codes over miles at a time. And uh, heli uh, heliograph during the day. And, yep. uh, yeah. The uh, Disney Empire could, could get a uh, uh, warning from 1,100 miles away, from the frontier 1,100 miles away. They could get warning of invasion in under six hours if their top watchtower system was working. If the thing about the watchtower system is that it's a huge um, commitment of infrastructure. Well, you know? that depends, right? It's a huge commitment of infrastructure if you've got a huge territory to cover, right? If you're living in the ruins of a city anyway, all you need is tall buildings within a couple of square miles of each other. Hmm. That's right? not bad. That's not bad. Uh, you know, you, mean, might, you yeah. might have to run from one side of the office complex to the other, where you, oh, yeah. you, you receive the message on the west side, and then you have to run over to the east side to, to you know, flash your next signal because, yeah, it's a, it's a big uh, thing. Well, building, they, but. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, the, the remake, where they're on top of the mall, and they're, they're signing, uh, signing back and forth with the guy at the gun shop. Right? Yep, just binoculars and a freaking signboard. And hand, holding up signs. Right? Well, well, you can't do that over a few miles, but you can certainly do it with flashlights or uh, mirrors. And you know, it's, also, uh, go ahead, it's also a case where you know a lot a lot of old Boy Scout skills become useful because you could get so much mileage out of being able to do semaphore. And sure. semaphore, you know, you you can do anywhere as long as you can get to the high ground. So if you know if you know people are looking for your signal, you can get up on top of the hill and really quickly flash out a message about where the raiders are, where they're coming from, and, and, and any number of things. Now, is semaphore the flag code, or yeah, semaphore yeah, that's the, the flag code. code. Okay. Um, think, yeah. think, think back to your Monty Python, Scott. You know, withering Wuthering heights, heights on a semaphore. In semaphore code. Uh, Julius Caesar, Caesar on an aldous lamp. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fight at the OK Corral and a telegraph. Well, we left <laughs> off. <laughs> we left off telegraph, but I'm also presuming that. Um, oh, we are going to get to that eventually. Telegraph. No uh, does telegraph require a constant electrical signal, and then you interrupt I, it with the with the telegraph, or is it? That you start sending an electrical signal and, and and you are sending the electricity down the wire by by tapping on it, or is it you're interrupting the signal? Does anybody know? I think you're interrupting the signal, but but it's it was ages since I learned about uh, telegraph engineering. So I, 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 th I think I think it's interrupting because basically it starts up. You're making the connection and you're you keep on going uh, back and reconnecting. So okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, telegraph. So yeah, telegraph is going to be one of those things that, if you had the resources, the infrastructure, 
you know, dig up the wire, run a wire, you know, some poles across, you know, the wasteland to connect the two cities. You could do it by telegraph as well. Again, this is down the road. This is, you know, uh, acquiring the resources. All I was going to say about the, um, Clint brought up about the mirrors and the, and the flame is all, in the Planet of the Apes, just uh, the TV series, the, you know, the apes communicated by tall towers with the reflective mirrors, you know, kind of, because, well, their society was based, uh, you know, kind of like Roman-esque, so they had that, you know, uh, the, the signal mirrors to uh, do the messages across, you know, the far distances as well. So that's something people would be able to do. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the, uh, the, the the heliograph, the semaphore, um, the smoke signal, um, hell, war drums, you yeah. know. Smoke um, signals, yep. Uh, I imagine the Chinese used signal rockets. Uh, back in the day when they had gunpowder and uh, Europeans were, you know, pooping out the windows of their houses. Um, I suspect the Chinese were firing off rockets for, you know, communications purposes. Flares, like, you know, yeah. like old flares you could use, you know, to indicate, you know, some, you know, two flares means this, you know. Well, it's like the whole, you know, lamp in the watchtower, one of one of my land, two of my seed kind of yep. scenario. Oh, the and the other thing is, though, we're we're talking about like intentional communication, but there are you know plenty of unintentional forms of communication out in the environment. Like you know, for instance, let's say you've got a couple of settlements that are you know near near enough that like you know you know you can you can look and you can see the smoke rising from Barter Town because they've got it still works. They've got their generator that still works. The day you see that smoke stop, you have just been told some major event has happened. <laughs> and whatever it is, you better start preparing. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, for for example, even though I don't like the movie that much, uh, Land of the Dead, uh, which, is which again, is still better than Survival of the Dead. But in Land of the Dead, they had their city, and they had communications with other outposts, and they started losing communications with other cities. Like, yeah, we haven't heard from such and such in weeks you know, or months. We don't know what's going on. So, again, that's an indicator. Like, if you stop getting the communication... You know something's wrong, you know. Certainly, a lot of this large-scale, a lot of this communication we're talking about requires a large-scale community, uh, a lot of effort by a lot of people to make this system work, and that the free time, small, yeah, this for the smaller communities, um, yeah, the, the the it sounds like the what we're really down to is couriers. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, couriers on bicycles back to our back to the transportation. You know what? Again, like we said, they're not sexy, but you don't gotta feed them. No, you, know? you don't. They never, <laughs> they never get sick. Bikes don't get a disease or a knot in their intestines and fall over dead. And you don't have to feed them when you're not riding them. Yep. So, uh, guys on bikes would be hugely important for getting uh, for for your Pony Express. You know, um, that would be a huge deal. Um, uh, I, I can't underestimate how freaking important bicycles would be in the apocalypse oh, yeah. for, for individuals and whole societies. Yeah. Oh, that, like, we, like we talked about that on the, on the, on the uh, transportation episode, that look at the rest of the world, how much bike transportation is so predominant, you know, where just populations travel by bicycle. So people know bikes, people are around. So, yeah, that would be a perfect way to... You know, let's go to the next settlement. We got to get a message over. It's like, let me run by land. Let me run across country. No, hop on the, hop on one of the 
20,000 bikes that are left over in your city, 20 million bikes that are left over in your city, it's like, oh, this one's broken, let me grab another one and just ride back and forth because it's a faster way to get that, 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 you know, that message, you know, you know the, British, the British are coming, we need food, we want to trade, however, whatever the message may be. Well, you know what else uh, would would probably come back into fashion after the apocalypse? Just you know, town criers. If if the the person who run yeah. who runs Barter Town needs to get a message out, they'll just send somebody to stand in the town square and repeat whatever the message is over and over again in an authoritative voice, so that everybody passing through the town square knows what's up. That's that perfect. A, that's a very like that, right? Well, that and, and that's. And that's like a very that's a very specific kind of communication. But once you get back to the idea of the town square and people standing up in there delivering messages, you know, this also means we can bring back mad prophets who stand in the town square and tell you and and tell you what what you know God has been telling them. Yes. Now that they no longer have television stations, they can go down <laughs> to the town square and put on their dog and pony show there. That'd be great. No, that's a very that's a that was a very good point, Will. That I didn't even think about because again, we were thinking more. I was thinking more long distance communication, not just your local conveying the messages because But mass communication. Mass communication Yeah, mass communication because you know what? It doesn't take it doesn't take much resources to get some slob to go stand in the in the town square to give a message, as opposed to, well, let's print uh, paper and post messages. No, you just again, you just tell the guy what you want to say. And he tells it instead of posting messages on precious paper that you can't make anymore. So suddenly, I have this image of people repainting the billboards on the side of the road with, you know, <laughs> you know what? Stay out. Um, you know, trespassers will be eaten. Uh, roadway you know, mind. Yeah, roadway mind. Mind. Well, as yeah. in with an M. Mind as in those guys who trapped in a box. They Just, could be one of the gangs, though. Or all are welcome at term terminus. Oh fuck! Oh, Clint, Clint wins the internet. Pro yeah. per perfect example of the communications you don't want to get. Yeah. Well, and how do you tell? That's uh, one of the huge deals in that show, right? Yep. You yeah. don't know. Every well, communication is suspect, right? Every contact is suspect. So we're talking about all these uh, means of communication for keeping open uh, contact with people that might be miles or tens of miles away, right? And whereas we, we're we worried about it, we should be worried about every single one of them, maybe. Now, that's a good point, because all this kind of communication we're talking about, Morse code, a message delivered on paper, um, a radio broadcast, it removes all of the human-animal cues that we have when we communicate for whether we're going to determine whether or not you know, the guy we're talking to needs to be stabbed between the ribs immediately or whether you can actually trust him to do the deal and trade you the, you know, the grain for the motor oil or whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, all those cues are removed and all you just have is a symbology. You, you have a, a, a very authoritarian, nice-sounding voice, but you don't know who it's attached to. He could have, you know, he could be wearing the, you know, the skin of the last guy he talked to, you know. But you don't know because it's just a voice. Uh, same thing with, you know, the race. Welcome to Terminus. All are welcome at Terminus, you know. Um, that's another one where it's just like there's no there's no cues attached. Yeah, because that and also these things, right? You do them, you, you, you arrange things secondhand. Um, you either you either buy the buy the drink the Kool-Aid and decide you're gonna go to Terminus and see what's there, 
or you decide not to. But no matter what, you if you contact them by radio or you go see them, you don't find out what's really going on until it's possibly way too late to do anything about it. Yeah, I, also, they had the communications... To to the communications what, was that? what was that, Clint? I said you, I said you have to... You, they had to go to Terminus to find out what was at Terminus, right? They couldn't check the Internet or do any of the other, uh, you know... Um, Proofs that you would that an intelligent person would try and do because all those other methods of communication are gone. Yeah, you can't ask around because nobody's come back. Right. You know. So and and that's the other thing about these secondhand communications. Um, you just you can't you can't arrange anything safely because what it comes down to eventually is we'll meet you somewhere or you come here or we'll go there, right? Where anybody could be waiting for you. With any any agenda, and so there's a level of paranoia or a level of trust or, or whatever um, yeah. that that is required to uh, to make something move forward. I just was going to say on that trust and paranoia, uh -huh. everybody everybody reacted to you know welcoming you know, all or welcoming in terminus based on their own their own initial prejudices. I want to point right. that out in the series that for the people who are hopeful, we let's go to Terminus! And for the, the shitty, horrible bandits, they're like, fuck, man, don't go there. You know, we're not going to be welcome there. Then, you know, they they were going to survive. They're not, they weren't going to get, the horrible gang of murdering rapists was going to be fine because they were from this, they didn't trust people, you know? And they were, they, you know, they, they, they didn't even presume it was a trap. They just thought, our kind's never welcome anywhere. They're not going to let us have as much fun as we have on our own anyway. Yeah, so, so we're not going. So yeah, um, the, the idea of these second, these sort of uh, a road sign or messages left for people. Um, you know, a lot of these are, um, you know, they're open to the interpretation of the of the viewer. Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, as is radio. Know, yeah, uh, I, I I certainly remember that thing from uh, the movie. The, or the TV series of The Stand where, you know, they have the uh, crucified junkie on the way to Las Vegas. Oh. You remember? Yeah. Wearing the crown of needles, you know, and, like, no junkies allowed or something uh, on it. And um, there was a couple other things. And, and uh, there was another bit from uh, The Survivors where they, a group of guys building a drug lab to, to manufacture... Painkillers, so that people could do surgeries. You know, so they were actually manufacturing useful drugs, but they also had opiates that they're making. Had left a bunch of fake dead bodies around, uh, the like impaled on stakes and things around their their place to frighten off people, and that's a form of communication. The the warning sign, the keep out sign. You know, becomes a kind of yeah, the heads on the, the heads on the stakes and the bones. You know, the the, war, the warning, you said warning signs, and yeah, and, and you know, and like you said before, Clint made a very good point with the, with this large scale communication we've been talking about. There is such a level of trust that has to be there for that to to, to that really to work. Because who do you trust? Who do you don't trust? Because like I said, you know, false information. You know, your your bicycle pony express. People could be interrupted, you know, capturing them, getting the messages they're not getting through. And also you want to do things like, you know what, maybe people aren't transmitting, but they're listening. You know, 
the, the bad guys are on the outside. Just have a radio. They're listening to what you're saying so they can gather intelligence so they can come and take your shit. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're broadcasting in the clear, yes. Absolutely. Now, another thing is uh, communication is, is in a wonderful position to get a lot more uh, personal. Because, of course, you know, you'll always have gossip. You'll always have rumor mongering. But where you don't have wide-scale communication, things like storytelling and folk music are going to get, you know, a lot more important. You know, you, you're never going to get a news report about what happened to the mutant warlord who was trying to conquer Seattle. But a few weeks after that battle... You know, a, a, a guy with a, a still-working guitar is going to show up, and he's going to sing you a song about what happened at that battle. Because three, even if he wasn't strings. here, he pieced it together. <laughs> with, with three strings on the guitar, and he's still going to make that shit work. He's going <laughs> to sing about the battle for Seattle against the mutant lord. That's yeah. right. Yeah, well, that's what communicate. That, you know what? That's another thing about ancient communications. Songs are uh, a distilled rhythmic way of having communications, and because it's a song and it's got meter and it rhymes, it's designed so that you will keep all the information in the song, you know, but you won't leave anything out because it'll screw up the meter. It'll screw up the rhyme scheme, right? And, yeah, uh, it's, a way to, it's a way for people to associate. Yeah, you're right. So they can remember, yeah, because people can make up songs about, again, information, maybe even, maybe they start writing songs about survival skills and you teach the next generation of children how to start the fire how to you know grind the corn how to do whatever through song and you know so they can remember oh yeah da 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 da, da. That, that's a very good point about music you know com yeah. as a forms of communication well thank you yeah and of course just as just to give it a spin uh, uh, something kind of quirky on it though uh, I'm obsessed with old-timey medicine shows which I am positive are going to come back after the apocalypse. So, so, is, so is Bethesda, because they threw in that old-time medicine show. Oh, yeah. You, you but, the, but what you do is if you're doing an old... If you if you brought back the old-timey medicine show, you have... the you, you kick a few extra bottle caps to the to the folk musician so that when he passes through the town ahead of you, he can, every, he can throw in a couple of songs about how awesome your medicine is or how you saved a bunch of people from a plague once. And then when you show up at the medicine show, it's 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 Doctor McGillicuddy. He's the guy that cured the Green Plague. Wow! Yeah, so great post-apocalyptic advertising. Yeah, well, we've, reinvented, we've reinvented Mad Men after the bomb. Well, yeah, well, no, it's 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 going to be like like a lot of things we've talked about before. It's going to be kind of like uh, you know the old frontier, you know, medicine shows. You know, it's, it's going to be like a combination of, like, a little bit of the old frontier towns of the Old West, a little bit of the medieval setting with the messages. It's going to be kind of a mishmash, I think, of a lot of these little elements because we've already had them happen. You know, in time they developed in our society, but now that we've lost everything, you know, we're going to pick up the little bits and pieces of what's going to work. Yeah. No, but I don't have to... I mean, uh, what, what, we're talking about uh, communication, which... Uh, suggests that people want to communicate, um, which may, may not necessarily be the case, right? We're talking about, we're, we're predicating all of this based on certain understandings of the apocalypse, right? Where, that, where, uh, where like Scott was saying, if it's a slow apocalypse, then we have an opportunity to set up some of this infrastructure, right? Or if it's a fast apocalypse with zombies, then everybody's too freaked out to want to talk to anybody, right? And so 
what I'm kind of curious about is if you don't have communication, how do you have society? I think, Mr. Bryn, I think Mr. Bryn answered that question. You, you don't. You, right. you become, yeah, you, you, you become sort of, it gets very medieval very fast where higher authority, government, whatever, uh, becomes whoever's in rifle range of you. And uh, maybe you consider yourself an American, you know, two generations down the line, but you haven't been out of your county. You know, you haven't moved. You haven't heard from anybody out of your county. You know, somebody coming in from out of your your, you know, uh, 50 miles of your town, somebody turning up from further away than that would be an event because everybody's just too busy trying to put the calories together not to die. Yeah, and, and strange strangers are feared generally. Oh, because, you know? you, you, again, you know you know what brings the plague? Yeah. Strangers. Well, strangers, <laughs> outsiders, that's what brings the plague, you know. I'll say that. Like my, my, uh, I did a degree in medieval history, and my advisor for my master's, uh, used to talk about Roman uh, Roman poets and, and uh, political dissenters and stuff like that being exiled, and he said exile at that time was essentially death by travel. Ooh, death by travel. Yes. Mm. Uh, there were a few no notable exceptions, but generally it meant they had to be people who had a crap load of money in the first place. But if you were like most uh, uh, most Roman. Uh, uh, poets and stuff like that, what you had was a patron, and when your patron was no longer giving you money, you had squat. And so when you were exiled for saying unpleasant things about the emperor, and you were essentially told to go die somewhere else. Um, and so if uh, the, uh, I guess what I'm questioning is the viability of medicine shows and the, the traders that we see in Fallout 3 with the you know, they're with their Brahmin, their pack Brahmin, and one mercenary and stuff like that. Uh, you know, oh, I'm I'm thinking giant caravan cultures where there yeah, is. We're, we're we're going to be talking about huge caravans of yeah. possibly hundreds of people. Uh, really, a society, an entire society that's built around moving. But then if, if you have that, then those guys are are essentially like moving Vikings, right? They they trade if the trading's good, but if the trading's not good. Their version of trade is what we call preemptive archaeology, right? <laughs> Can I point well, out that the, the, there, there's no such thing as a difference between they're like moving Vikings. Well, that's Vikings. Yeah. They just they move too, as evidenced by their holy crap. Did we find some Viking archaeology on Baffin Island in the last yeah. ten years? Well, is, yeah. is, 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 isn't that a bit of a misconception too that they always were moving, but they had settlements, they had farms, they had you know, but uh, it, it kind of yeah. But the, the ones that were actually going on Viking raids, um, uh, it's fairly demonstrable that they traded when they had stuff to trade and when people were strong enough that you had to trade with them. But if they didn't uh, have uh, the stuff to trade or if the people weren't in a position where they were strong enough, then other modes of exchange were employed. Yes, inventory uh, and acquisition was in yeah. And that totally reminds me of two things. Number one, uh, the Death Line series, uh, you know, the traitor with, right. the, war, with the war wags. Uh, yep. number, and number two, it also reminds me of Scott uh, Survivors. Yeah, like the guy who like just plopped down in the middle of the road if anybody came by, like, hey, you got oh, yeah. to trade? Get gold, you know, because we'll trade gold. Where, where are you on the map? Because we'll come back and see you next season. Because they're just going around gathering shit, just traveling in trucks, 
just trading well, with people. Certainly, the, the, if you get a caravan culture that develops, uh, a culture built around people who didn't want to become farmers, because guess what? It's, it's post-apocalyptic. You're going to be a farmer at some point. You're going to be creating your own calories. But if you're not going to sit down and create your own calories, uh, and instead you're going to try and move around, find calories, or, or you know, move stuff from point A to point B in order to get calories, uh, yeah, those guys become your communications network. Mm -hmm. You know, they're your they're your Pony Express, um, uh, which is weird because then it's kind of like you're, you're it's, it's not some courier from your town or your culture, or your county. You're kind of having to trust a completely alien culture. You know, yeah. what 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 new what news from the north? You know, yeah, to to carry your to carry your messages or carry your uh, you know, um, and again, it's right. It, it becomes a matter of uh, the difference between a pirate and a merchant is very narrow. You know, um, well, you know, another thing that that would probably come back if you're relying on caravans to deliver to deliver messages. In between towns, uh, it's probably going to bring back uh, letters written in code, because you know you've got you've got the leader of one settlement has sensitive info they want to give the leader of another settlement or, or any power block what have you. Uh, they're not going to want just anyone to read it, so they're going to have to come up with some sort of code so that if the honest merchant just so happens to unroll the this parchment, you know he, it'll look like absolute gibberish to, to that guy. Yeah. Even though it's sealed with wax and every other security precaution you may take to make sure that they won't open it up, you know, it's valuable. They wouldn't have been sending it from point A to point B if it wasn't worth something, you know, this, this, this message. And so, yes, I love the idea that coded messages, which were a staple of the literate classes of the Middle Ages, uh, absolutely a staple of the middle literate classes, anything worth writing down that was valuable had to be encoded. Um, that was so, ciphers were just a matter of daily life. So, uh, so educated classes. So soon after communication uh, reestablishment becomes espionage comes back again real quick. Yes. Yep. Except that I don't even know if they considered you know ciphers espionage. It was just about keeping your. It was well, I guess breaking uh, ciphers would be espionage. Everybody employed ciphers just as a matter of course. Um, if you wanted. If you wanted things to be, because you couldn't control the message once it got out of your hands. You know, no matter how, you know, whether it could follow, whether your trusted courier is murdered and it's stolen or, you know, that's a really interesting point. Well, thank God we have you on the show a lot. Well, thank you. Oh, and if I could, and this is actually a question I kind of want to pose to you. I think uh, something like the, the messenger pigeon could be could be brought back in a post-apocalyptic environment or is that just, would it be more valuable as food than as something that could deliver a message for you? Well, you can have, you can have carrier drones. You know, use your battery power to fly it to the next village. <laughs> well, so long as your battery power and your signal lasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, sounds to me if you can remote pilot a drone to the next village, you might as well just send a radio. You might as well just hook your goddamn CV up. But, um, uh, but at the same time, yeah, okay, so... Are the carrier pigeons better for food or for um, messages? And my understanding about carrier pigeons and their whole homing thing is the whole point is you make a roost full of pigeons and then you take a pigeon and you give it to your friend Bob who lives way over there. And 
when he lets the pigeon out, it just comes back to you, and then that's it. It doesn't go back to Bob. You've yeah. got, like, another set of pigeons, and this one's marked to Bob, and this one's marked, you know, to Frank, and this one's marked to Jared, and that's it. I mean, they go back to their dude, and that's it. And if you want a, a reload, then some caravan or something has to ship <laughs> you another shipment of his pigeons, or you don't get to talk to him anymore. It's funny. It's funny you bring up pigeons. One of my old bosses, uh, back when I worked at Publix back in the '90s, um, uh, used to race pigeons. So, like sometimes he would go, he like go, like leave at lunch, come back to his car behind the store because I worked in produce, and he'd be back there. Joe, what are you doing? He'd like open up his trunk. He'd have a couple of cages of pigeons, and he'd let the pigeons out the back of the store so they'd fly home just to give them practice. On the plus side, there. On the plus side, you know, I imagine that pigeons, in a lot of ways, would do. I mean, we always see them in urban environments, and I always imagine that um, that they might actually do pretty well as things poop out on the grounds that they eat everything. They they have that you know, you know, flying rat thing, because they can perch on higher, you know, precarious places. Our ability to hunt them is limited um, because they can get to places we can't get, um, depending on how desperate people get to eat them. You, you, I guess your best shot would be trapping them with some food in a cage or something. Um, probably get rats that way too. But um, now, that's assuming that there are even you know carrier pigeons around. So. And then when they get yeah, I'm just talking about regularly. Then when they get then when they get out of food, they just fly off someplace else and leave you to starve. I mean, if they're really out of food, um, I imagine that they're that they wouldn't be all devoured. The question is, you know, the skill set to train them uh, to become carrier pigeons. Hmm. It's not a, is it a breed of pigeon, or is it just a matter of you catch them and you train them? Well, I think there is training, but there there was a specific breed, which is, I believe, now extinct, which was known as the messenger pigeon, because I think it was supposed to be the easiest to train. That's what we used during uh, the American Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, the, the pigeon thing is interesting, but it, it, it also requires, wow, boy, it does require a specialized knowledge. Yeah, and then the whole point where, where you have to move work the, that is worth, I think. And then the idea of to move the pigeon, you know, it only, it's only one way. It's only back to the source, you know. You, that's tough. Um, that, is a, that is a tough thing to keep reloading. You could certainly run out of pigeons and then that's it. You know, no more pigeons. I don't think they ever seem to have that problem on Game of Thrones. Fucking ravens just go wherever they tell them to go. They just go. Well, ravens are smarter than pigeons. Yes, they are. They're creepy smart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everyone's got these cockroaches with abacuses after we nuke each other. I don't know, man. It could be ravens. So, that being said, uh, cockroaches... um, Let's start... uh, I want to kind of wrap up now, because I think we've covered... A lot of communications, a lot of different variables, and we could go on for another couple hours, but because uh, we're blowhards, here we are. But I want to spare spare the uh, spare the audience, and we I think we've covered a lot of the a lot of the main topics, so a lot of the main points I think we have covered uh, talking about communication. So just a quick round of uh, any last quick last thoughts on communication. Started with Clint. Ah. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay. Uh, going back to something that I mentioned earlier, because uh, I'm struggling to find something to, to say, uh, I, I think that uh, 
whether people even give a crap about communications is going to depend on how desperate they are. Right? If communications are light in they're they're not at the same level as TV and internet, but they're they're a luxury in an environment like um, like a, an apocalyptic environment, right? It, it communication doesn't immediately put food on your table. It doesn't immediately make you more secure. And as we've pointed out, it can it can certainly point towards reducing your chances of having food on the table and make you less secure, right? So I think that uh, the uh, it's not something that's going to be done uh, early after an apocalypse. It's going to be something that's done after people are somewhat secure. Um, whatever that security looks like, depending on the the apocalypse in question, right? So uh, if you've got a convenient uh, enemy, um, like in Red Dawn or something like that, and uh, and um, then you might have uh, that might might be a different story, but if you've got zombies or uh, a, a very real dearth of resources or that kind of thing, then you can run into situations where everybody's hunkered down and nobody wants to talk to anybody because they're too afraid. So, all very good points, and uh, I was gonna, you know, I, I, I probably didn't say, it, but I was gonna say that too. Is again that establishment of the communication is definitely more of a. The, like the levels of communication we talk, like well, no, not everything that we talk about. A lot of what we talk about is all very much down the road kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thank, thank you, Clint. Well, any uh, last thoughts on communication? Uh, just something that uh, that's probably going to resurface very quickly is going to be uh, very very specialized forms of slang that might as well be an, a coded language. And, I, and I'm kind of talking like you know beyond beyond like you know just like the, the normal street slang you get, and beyond the different like settlements eventually sort of developing their own little linguistic twist. But but we will probably see a post-apocalyptic version of Polari, a, a very specialized language used almost exclusively by your traveling merchants, your traveling bards, people who spend a lot of time on the road and need to be able to communicate with each other, but not necessarily have the rubes know what they're talking about. Whether they're being malicious and trying to communicate, hey, this guy's easy to fool, see if you can swindle some, pure, some fresh drinking water out of him, or just, uh, you know, the ability to say, don't stay too long in this city, they will eat people here, you know, but you don't want the other cannibals to know that you're getting that message out. What was the, um... So it was like a thieves, kind of like, thief, like a thieves camp, almost. What was the hobo, yeah. what was the hobo lingo from the 30s, the hobo uh, signal system? Uh, oh, the, the hobo sign. Yeah, because um, I want to point out that, you know, the, uh, the, the hobo was at least the, the, the description of the actual word is not a bum, it's migrant labor. It's, you know, and, and so they, there was a, it was not quite as disreputable as uh, a, a tramp or a bum. Um, but they, but they, but because they were migrant labor, they could only show up, do a job, and then the community wouldn't want to, you know, have them around to support them any longer than that, and you move on to the next bit of work. So there was a system in place to signal to people whether a town was good for work, bad for work, whether the cops would crack your heads open, uh, you know, whether or not the uh, townspeople would fair deal or try and rip you off, you know, um, there was a whole signal system in place. 
Yeah, so very, yeah, very... I, yeah, it's like you would like you would like arrange like like by the side of the road. If I remember correctly, you would like arrange sticks and stones, or like gouge something really quick in the dirt, and it just looks like you know scratchings. But you know, a person could look at that and go, "Oh, this is a good place for a meal. This is a good place for a bed. This is a good place for honest work. This is a good place if you want to get beaten up." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another form of communications we haven't considered is the idea that the the transient part of the world might want to have ways to secretly mark um, the more permanent communities as being hostile, friendly, you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, uh, yeah, I, that sort of thing. Um, cool. Uh, what, was the, what was the language that you were referring to, uh, 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 Bill? Oh, Polari. Uh, Polari, it, it has a really fascinating history, but but the short version is that it was a language that was used by traveling performers for, for quite some time, and it's a weird, it, its history is kind of obscure, but it's believed to be a, a weird mix of, like, old-fashioned English, French, and, like, Yiddish, and... Uh, you could have whole conversations in it, and uh, then in the 20th century, it went from being used by traveling performers, it became a sort of a coded language used within the British theater, uh, and then in the uh, 40s and 50s, and you have to remember that, that Britain had really, really harsh uh, anti-sodomy laws, like right up, I think, t through the 70s, but because of its use in the theater in the 40s and 50s, it became a language used by the home homosexual subculture in Britain, which is why if you watch, like, carry-on films, there'll be a character that's clearly supposed to be gay who will use what sounds like a nonsense word. It's because that character is speaking in Polari. Huh. All right, then. Very interesting. Thank and, you. and it's really useful. You know, if you, if you want a lesson in Polari, just uh, meet me, Ajax to the Kazi. Wow. Uh... This is starting to this is starting to sound like uh, Cockney rhyming slang, but we will save that for the language episode. Yes, language episode. Th thank you, Will. That's a very good point about the language and the hobo. Scott, any la uh, the, last? The last thing I wanted to throw out is that I hadn't even considered the concept of mass communication after we've dumped um, uh, broadcast. Uh, thanks, uh, thank Will for bringing that back in because the idea that. Um, when you're the grand poobah of, of Barta Town, you have a message to get out. And so I always think of the town crier from the TV series Rome, who, while he's announcing the various victories on the battlefield, stops to say, and remember, always use, you know, uh, you know, Publius's olive oil, the best olive oil from, you know. <laughs> he'd, he'd throw in these commercials during the, the town crier thing, which I, I only hope really happens. I only hope that the local bread makers guild would slip him a few coppers to say, you know, <laughs> you know, you only use the best bakers of the Palatine Hill, real bread for real Romans. And so, you know, the idea that there's got to have to be mass communication in the form of the town crier, the church bells, you know, um, the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, bonfires lit off to make signals for the whole area, um, uh, and and even symbols like warning posts. You know, just to frighten people out of your territory. You know, maybe you do surround your you you take a message or a lesson out of the Vlad Tepes playbook, 
and you surround your village with a bunch of uh, impaled skeletons. Not that you necessarily killed and impaled all these people, but maybe like anytime somebody dies in the community, they just leave the body on a stake out front to scare everybody off. Because it's like, holy shit, these guys are, no, let's go around this village. But inside the stakes, of course, you're, you're the biggest wussies that ever lived because no one's ever taken you on. But only any kind of that way to signal in mass, whether it's, you know, creating tiki, you know, statues or fetishes or or gargoyles on a cathedral or things to scare off bad spirits or marauders. I hadn't really considered that as part of the whole communications question. And I'm glad we brought that I'm glad we got that because there's there'd be a whole lot of that. There's gonna be a whole lot of things you dump outside your community on the border there that says either welcome or fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Important message. Cool. All right, thank you, Scott. And uh, I, I don't got anything to add to that today. So I think we kind of uh, uh, co covered everything in those uh, three opinions. So again, thank you, everybody. So that's, folks, this has been uh, Communications uh, in the Apocalypse. And I said it's going to be, uh, it's going to vary, you know, short term, long term. You know, do you want to communicate, not want to communicate? Uh, do you have society? Do you not have societies? We've covered a lot of good, very interesting uh, points. Will brought up a lot of good points. Clint brought up a lot of good points about that. Uh, you know, do you want to communicate? Not want to communicate? Uh, you know, giving just sending signals to people. So uh, we've covered a lot of really uh, interesting things for you to digest and uh, think about when you're making your survival plans for the apocalypse. You know, things things to consider. So. Uh, that's going to be it this week, folks. Uh, next show, we're going to be back on track again. Uh, I was going to try to do a couple of uh, weeks in a row for shows, but unfortunately I'm going out of town for a couple of days next week, so I can't do next week, so I'll have to be two weeks from now. Uh, the next few shows, we got a couple of uh, shows coming up. We're Like we mentioned, we're going to do a show on language. Uh, we're going to do a show on the hot apocalypse. Uh, we're also going to do a show I wanted. We're going to do a show. Uh, we're going to go back to some movies again. Uh, we're going to talk about the crazies. We're going to talk about the original and uh, the remake. So those are going to be the next few shows we have uh, lined up there. So we got some good topics. Can, can we can we throw in any more insane apocalypses? Because I can point out some other insane apocalypses besides the crazies. Um. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk about it offline. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just looking just to cover those specific micropocalypses, but we maybe we could broaden that a little bit. It's, okay. Again. So, it's all open for discussion, but but that's our those are our uh, short-term plans for that. And remember, folks, uh, you know, you know, you watch, watch the show on the YouTube channel. Of course, if you're watching it now, remember to subscribe to the channel so you can get updates when the uh, new episodes post. Uh, also, follow the blog to see if you don't want to watch the video and you just want to listen to our lovely voices. Um, I will melodious, melodious. So uh, I'm almost completely caught up, but in a couple of weeks I should have all the audios, and then once. Uh, that is caught up. All the new episodes, as I do them the same week, I'll post uh, the audio there. Remember, you can find all the previous episodes, audio, either on uh, the blog, podcast at ground zero dot com or pcagz.com. I always forget <laughs> the abbreviation there. Or, again, if you're an uh, iTunes subscriber, you can just subscribe to it on iTunes. So that's going to be it for us this week in the Wasteland, folks. And uh, thank you, Will. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, everybody, for uh, watching the show. This is Jared Wallace and the crew saying thank you and good night.